I thought they needed me, and then I got a phone call that said, mm. "Sorry about you. Um, we're yeah, bye. Now you're you no longer have a contract." I never in my born day thought, after all those years, I would be a contractless model. So that was the turning point. That was like, you know what? It's time to take charge. Welcome to No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis. Each week, we're talking to women playing at the top of their game. So, how are they doing it? Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. Candice Huffine, welcome to No Limits. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you, and especially in this moment because you're a model, you're a runner, and you just in May had your first cover of Elle. Yes. Huge deal. Amazing. Yes. Wait, how did Time you feel? There. I'm like, we did it? Are we in a different month? I don't know. It's just May. It's <laughs> it will May. forever be May 2017. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what was that moment like for you to, you've now been modeling for almost two decades. Mm-hmm. Yes. Almost two decades I it know. took to make it to the cover of Elle, but then you did. I did. I did. Um, I've been working really hard for that moment and, and you know, trying to prove myself prove to others what I already knew was possible um, and was patient about it and and was hopeful that the industry would get there. You know, I'm, I've never really been about finger wagging, like, you are not treating us fairly and, and this, is not work, this is not moving fast enough and this isn't changing in the right way because there has been great progress over my, let's say, let's just say two decades. We can round it up. Let's um, so there's been amazing progress and, and it did take a while to get there, but it's exactly what I knew was always going to be the way. So the fact that, you know, a woman with a body like mine can be on the cover of a mainstream American magazine is the direction I always knew we would take and was always hopeful for from the day I signed my contract. So it was really sweet for me. It was really a, a surreal moment. When you say woman with a body like mine, I'm looking at you across the way. <laughs> Stunningly beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm not a size two. It just comes down to that. As simple as that. The modeling industry, um, for anyone who's not super familiar with it, is sort of just showcased one type of body for a very long time. Um, there was even you know exact measurements that were ideal for a model to be, and I have never been those measurements. I love my body and I don't think that I am other than, but, you know, by industry standards that were created, I guess, eons ago for whatever reason. I don't even know where these numbers came out of the clear blue sky um, and for what reason. But we, you know, the industry sort of stuck to those for a very long time. And we've all been making waves and changes and sort of using our voices to say, hey, there are other kinds of women who deserve celebration. And our world is made up of so many different kinds of women. And, and it's time that others get to see that so that they feel represented because there's nothing like opening a magazine or watching television or looking at a billboard and being like, wow, you know what? She reminds me of me. I, that puts an extra pep in your step. Everybody needs that. So um, yeah. So I mean, body like mine sort of means that I'm not the classic supermodel from the 90s type figure. And that's okay because you know now we're in a time we're in a new era where my kind of shape is celebrated as well. What made you want to get into modeling in the first place? You were born in Georgetown, grew up in Maryland. Yeah. You you started pretty young. 
I started very young. I well, I was a pageant girl, <laughs> so I enjoyed the stage, the limelight, playing dress up. I mean, that's when I what, what I always like in pageants too, because I think everyone thinks that. Um, you know, they, when I say that, they think that I was like Honey Boo Boo, or I was like in, <laughs> or toddlers. We have in so yeah, we have so many reality shows now to give this yeah. inside look. It wasn't like that. It for was you. not like that. It, I literally was a little girl that was playing dress up in sparkle dresses, and I was just on stage twirling to you know lovely songs. And what do you remember? Was, what your song was? Did you have a song you like to dance to? I don't remember my song, but I remember I didn't have to do a talent. I remember, it's so funny because I remember this song that my mom won um, Mrs. Marilyn to because it was playing the other day at brunch. And I was like, my mom, my mom won a pageant to this song. And I remember <laughs> there's video of me like running up on stage in my little pink frilly dress because oh I obviously had a pageant that morning as well or something. And I remember running up on stage and hugging her. And that was to One Moment in Time by Whitney Houston, like mega dramatic. Um, so that was, you know, that's something that I enjoyed doing. And it was obviously a family thing. It's like a tradition. Um and from there, I sort of just thought, like, they, they just go hand in hand. Like, I thought I thought pageants were my link to getting into a magazine. Like, the next thing would be that I would be on the cover of Seventeen magazine. That was the big goal. Um, I didn't realize it was two totally different worlds. So somebody suggested to um, take a trip to New York and visit some agencies and try my hand at fashion modeling. And what was that like? Um, On the trip to New York, I mean. Well, it was very exciting, and I was very confident, and I was like, "I'm, hey, guys, I'm going to New York to get a contract. I'm going to be right back, going to going to be a model. America's like, next top model. Yeah, that's my next step. This is my plan. This is my goal. It's really, really, really what I wanted. I never did anything or was pushed to do anything that I didn't want to do. Like, I wanted to do pageants. I loved them. I also wanted to you know, be in the Sears catalog and shoot for Seventeen magazine and, and do all those things. So... My family facilitated these the steps I needed to make these dreams come true. So um, we went up to New York and um, visited a bunch of agencies. And that's when I guess, you know, this really eye-opening uh, reality sort of hit me in that, like, I can't be a model, I suppose, because my body was not those ideal measurements I just spoke about earlier. How did they deliver that information to you? Um, <laughs> it's kind of no holds barred. Like... They, it's not, I was 15 years old, so maybe, you know, and I maybe didn't even look like I was 15, and it, so it doesn't need to be watered down, I suppose, at that age. Like, you're coming to New York City to be a model, like, here's how it's going to be delivered, but it's like, no, no, not not going to be right for us. Mm, would you consider losing 20 pounds? Maybe, we, I think that we, there would be possibility there if you lose 20 pounds. I was like, hmm, can I lose 20 pounds off my frame? Like, I was, I thought... I had a great shape, a great figure. And I was like, I don't think that's even possible for me. How does one go about doing that? That also is what seems I kept like, thinking. It, it seems like a really dangerous message to deliver to you're yes. a healthy 15-year-old. And so I just, um, you know, the, lately I feel like I've been thanking my 15-year-old self quite a bit because she was like, uh, red flag, um, you're very active and you're young and you have a great figure that you love. What road would you are you about to go down? No way. So I was actually really discouraged. And I remember calling my mom after the first day and being like, no way, I'm coming home. This is like, this is brutal and not working out the way I had planned. And I'm just shocked. I can't believe that like this, I'm not going to be a model. And she wasn't going to let me come home. She said, you have more agencies to visit the next day. See wow. the trip through. Just go for it. And it was on the second day that I got an opportunity to be a plus-size model. 
So this is very interesting to me because I, I, I think of where my mind was when I was 15. Right. And uh, plenty of insecurity around body and physical image and things like that. And I would imagine that hearing that kind of feedback, it would stick. Yes, you got the deal and you got the yeah. plus size modeling deal. But how did you not sort of get in your head about that other stuff? Well, I wonder sometimes if I didn't get that deal, if I would have gone home and taken the next steps to do what needed to be done to be a model. I mean, that's that was my dream. That was my goal. Um, I think there is a divine intervention there that sort of pushed me the way that was always meant for me to go. And I'm very thankful that that 15-year-old self was smart enough and confident enough to know that was the right direction instead of, you know, going home and being like, okay, so now let's diet because we're going to do this because I want this so badly. Um so when the the opportunity to be a plus size model came about, you know, I had them sit down and explain to me what that meant and how what that does fits it mean. It. Well, I mean, this is like okay, so this is ages ago, um, and they showed me the the um, profile or the portfolios of models they had already represented, who were stunning: Mia Tyler, um, Kate Dillon, and Carrie Otis, the girls that I had actually seen and idolized that I didn't know were plus size models. That's mm. the thing: if you yeah. didn't have a label, if you didn't know, you would just be like, "Wow, cool! Like, what a beautiful girl." Um, it's just that label that obviously separated things, um, which continues to separate things, and I we've been battling with for quite a while. But once it was explained to me, it was no different. And that's another thing that I'm thankful for is that, you know, I wasn't embarrassed by that title. I wasn't afraid to tell friends that I had just gotten this contract as a, as a plus-size model at this new agency. And um, to me, it meant no different. I was surprised to learn that there was a divide in the industry. Once I was getting deeper and, and diving in, I was really surprised that, you know, sort of got split into two. And there was two different kinds of models. And I actually wouldn't have the same opportunities as some there in the beginning because of my size. So all of that, I think, was was very surprising. Um, but, you know, down to brass tacks, the actual definition by industry was it's like a size eight and above. Eight. At that time. The language I am not familiar with, but does that divide still exist today? Um it exists because it's like a hard word to shake. I think by habit, it keeps coming up. But no, I mean, I'm at an agency that doesn't have a plus size division. I'm on the same board as everybody else. I'm on the same board as Bella Hadid and Giselle. And then my card is there. And so that's not you don't go to separate places to find a model that you might want for your campaign. So um, no, we're blurring the lines. That's been that's been the point for a very long time is blurring those lines because it gets very confusing and I think, frankly, damaging. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you mentioned that there are some places that aren't, they wouldn't hire, at least when you started out, opportunities that wouldn't exist for the group eight, size eight plus. Right. So there's a financial reason. Yes. A pretty big financial reason. That the lines that you are blurring. That you, well, that you want the lines to, if that's your, if that's your profession. Definitely. Much better for you if those lines are blurred. Oh, actually, I was thinking of even the brand. Like they, sure. need, they need the lines to be blurred as oh, well because yes, good point. So rather than so, you're missing a huge opportunity. Yeah, it's a great way to look at it. So why? What was it about modeling that made you want to do it in the first place? It was a little like a a, a little girl dream, I would say, like equivalent to being like, oh, I want to be a baseball player or a firefighter. I want to be a model. I want to be a magazine. 
Um, it, because it went also hand in hand with what I felt like I was already doing as you know on the stage as a pageant girl. Um, and now I realize that it offers so much more. It's not about just taking a photo. And so this is something that I like to express to younger girls as well, is that you take on a huge responsibility in the best of ways. So because there's an opportunity to use your voice and we have social media platforms and you can really share your message with the world, you it goes beyond taking a picture if you want it to. And so... You know, my little girl dream was I just want to be in a fashion show and be in the magazines that I read all the time. Teen Bop was probably one of them at the time. (laughs) Um, And it grew into I want to do right by women and young girls and I want to, you know, inspire them to be their their best selves. So it became my job and my role as model has evolved into something I never dreamt of, but is truly the catalyst and reason why I do what I do and want to continue doing what I do. Project Start is one of your big focuses now. You started out running, and I was reading a little bit about this. So you started out running, and then you ran a half marathon. Mm -hmm. First off, why (laughs) running in the first place? What was it that attracted you to that? Nothing attracted me to running, (laughs) to be honest. It sounded awful, so why not do it? I was highly unattracted to running. Um, My husband dared me to. So we continue laughing about this. And I also didn't even know this about myself. I didn't realize that I was such a competitive person. But I guess, like, if you dare me, then here we go. Live up to it. Yeah. So that's a really funny thing to learn about myself, among a, a wild amount of other things during this whole journey of running. But um, he dared me. We were making goals at the end of um, 2015 about what we wanted our next year to look like. And when I usually set goals for the next year ahead, they're all career-focused and they always have been, and I really want to like set these big, lofty um, dreams, let's say, and hope to reach them in the year. And he he took it a different direction and was like, "Why don't you try this? As uh, you know, just throw this one in here. Why don't you try to run a half marathon?" And I laughed so hard, like. <laughs> Why? I was like, moving on. Let's get back to like, I want to be on the cover of a magazine or I want to like, I want a makeup campaign. Um, and he just, he, he said, I know you can do it. And I think that it will change your life in a way that we don't know yet. But I know that it will change you and you'll love it. And obviously you can do it. And I was like, okay. The big, the big part there that you say it will change your life, the things that the unknowns, I was like, I don't even know where that's coming from. But was he a runner? Yes. Okay, so he understands there is something. It's not yes. like he's an outsider and saying, yeah, you should try running. But I was just mostly focused on, like, how do you know I can do this? Like, I don't think that I can do this. Um, but, you know, I made an announcement and held myself accountable and um, put the wheels in motion. And, you know, hate to say it, but he was right. Um, and in my journey, I realized that there is so much that running brings to your life outside of just covering distance or, you know, getting a, a cool time at the end of said run. Um, and that's something that I really wanted to share with women. And that's the reason why I started Project Start. I wanted because I had so many doubts in the beginning about my capability of running. And then I realized, yes, of course I could. And then I saw what it brought to my life and how it fulfilled me, I wanted to share it with everyone else. Yes, you guys can as well. And really, we do have to start. Mine came with a dare. And, you know, yours can come with hopefully maybe my message. And let's just lace up and go. So I really just wanted to encourage women to to start their journey or restart their journey and know that they absolutely can. 
What's the biggest thing for you, the biggest surprise to come of it? Um, well, the biggest surprise is I'd say I'm recognized more as a runner than I am a model. Really? Yes. Which so is, people think you should be in the Olympics. Is well. <laughs> no, I just um, no. It's people, um, and that's another great thing, and, and that you learn is once you get yourself into the running community, how positive and um, supportive everyone is. So I'm recognized. Like it's just funny. Like, hey, are you Candace Huffine, the the girl who started Project Start? And I'm like. Yes. At the same time as I have like Elle magazine at, you know, sitting at CVS, they're they're like, are you the girl who started running? I'm like, that is absolutely me. And I'm actually very, very proud of that. Um, And it's just nice, the connection, you know, to hear the connection that it's working. My message works. I think that's always, you know, a nice sort of thing to hear to keep motivating you is that people do hear you. Um, And so when, you know, a girl just tells me, you know, I went for my first run the other day. It wasn't far and it wasn't fast, but I went for my first run. And so I'm really excited about that. That just changes things. That's what brings me so much joy. So it's, you know, in a way, it sounds maybe hokey, but like I started running on a dare and I continued to do it for me, for what it brought me. And now I continue to do it for women. It's great. Really it's cool. Really inspiring. I, uh, When you're talking, it was making me wonder. So when you do it on a dare the first couple of times, and this person who who said to you, I started running because of you, also made me think of this. How long was it before it became actually enjoyable for you? Like, how many times did you have to get out there and push yourself before eventually you wanted to be out there really well, my husband he he's a filmmaker so he documented the very first day that we went on said run and there's so many expletives in that <laughs> in that video like we've I've actually never even seen it because I was so mad and everything hurts and you don't want to go that far and then there's some really you know chipper person in front of you who was my husband right. at the time is like come on we're almost there and that just annoys you and um and with time, but you do realize, like, and that's <laughs> like, well, gosh, so much to say about this. Um, one thing is when you do that by yourself in the beginning, it's natural to have all of those feelings. You're going to cuss a lot and be mad and be in pain and hate it. The point is, you don't put your shoes away forever. And I think that there's so many people who try it once and then you, they go out too fast and it hurt them and they don't ever want to come back the next day to do it. And so it wasn't actually that long after that. I got the hang of it and loved it. It's actually a learned skill. You know, you don't – there are people, of course, who wake up at are natural, you know, athletes and Olympians and runners, and it comes easy to them. But a majority, it does not. And and you can learn to get to a good place with it, just like with anything else. So, you know, practice makes perfect, I guess. And, and you get comfortable and you learn what's good for you and you have fun with it. And for me, it's like – I don't drive a car, so regularly. I don't have a license, but um, I don't get to really listen to music the way that I want to. So that's my time to sort of like have a little fun listening party in a, and I'm dancing in a different way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> when you look back on your career, especially in modeling, what's been the toughest lesson to learn along the way? Mm, the toughest lesson to learn, I would say, looking back, is knowing when and how to speak up or knowing that you can speak up. I think as a model, um, you know, and you're signed to a big agency, you have a lot of people on your team who are working with and for you. And especially when you're young, you trust that they know best for you. And you may feel in your gut that something's not right, but you just assume that they know. They know what I should be doing. And it took me 
years to realize that I'm actually in charge of me and my path and my career. And I can say, hey, no, I'm not I'm not feeling that. I don't think that's right for me. I'd rather not. Maybe let's take a step back. So it took me a really long time to to realize that I have a say in my own life. Um, and I, that almost seems like, well, of course you do. It's yours. But I don't know. I f- maybe a lot of people also share that sentiment in whatever job they're doing. You mm-hmm. know, if there's someone that's above you who you think is superior or your boss or anything like that, you know, you feel like, okay, I'll just keep my head down and go with the flow and we'll see how this works out. But you can speak up and it's about, you know, finding your voice it takes a, a while sometimes or, or hopefully not. These days, I think that we're all, we all um, are a lot more educated and empowered, I would say, mm-hmm. on, on standing up for ourselves. But just in case you're still having doubts, I think that um, that's, that's been a lesson that I'm glad that I've learned. That you, you raise a really interesting point, especially in the context of your career or for people who they go from having a dream to then you get your dream. Right. You're in the position to, to play the role that you wanted to play forever. Right. And then you're asked to do something that makes that, yeah. that whatever is inside of your core. Right. Challenges that. Yeah, so that's that why I was trying to, to make it broad because obviously I realize I'm a special case. Like, it's even uh, I was speaking at a business conference recently, and and there was so much that I couldn't actually speak on because I'm like I'm an interesting business because I'm my business is my person. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a you are your brand. Yeah, I, it's I'm a body. Like I'm not I'm not running um, a company. There's nobody that has to answer to me. It's all it's all very unique. Um, but I do hope that obviously there's. A, Anyone can take advice from me no matter what position that they're in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, you get to a point and, and you're ticking all the boxes. Like, wow, that came true. That came true. Bucket list moments. This is incredible. And, and you're you're on cloud nine and flying. And then it's also exciting that sometimes you don't even step back to think if this is right for me or or should we. And it's just about, you know, sort of being true to who you are. For a long period of time, instead of doing things that are inauthentic to yourself for a quick hit or buzz right then and there. That's unique to my industry. You know, I think that it's always about, you know, the next thing and and putting yourself out there and publicity and magazines and write-ups and blogs and all these things. And you want your name to constantly be in them. But if that's not true to who you are to, to have your story out in that way or your image out in that way, you can step back and say, no, that's not right for me. And and took me a long time to realize that. What was the turning point for you when you did realize it? Was um, there a moment? Was there a specific something you were asked to do where you just knew that you had to put your foot down? There were a few. I think one that comes to mind immediately is the day my agency, whom I thought I would be with for all of my career, shut its doors. I got a phone call one day that said, in two weeks, we're closing. And I realized... They were going out of business? They were downsizing. They were downsizing. So they were eliminating most of their divisions. So wow. And we were one of them. And um, and by that, I mean we, we the plus-size division, because it was separated, um, was one of them on the chopping block. And so I thought, I thought they needed me. And then I got a phone call that said, mm. sorry about you. Um, we're, yeah, bye. Now you're... You no longer have a contract. I never in my born day thought... After all those years, I would be a contractless model. So that was the turning point that was like, you know what? It's time to take charge. I realized in that moment when they were closing the doors, I didn't even have my own images. I didn't even have 
any of my high res images in my computer for you know to take even to another agency i wasn't i had no ownership of anything that was me or was supposed to be mine that seemed like a natural no-brainer to be mine um so I knew that whatever I did next moving forward, I was going to have more of a say in what my future was, what the plan was. I was going to have rights and ownership of things. If someone's going to send you photos, can I also have them as well because they're me and maybe I want to send them to my mom. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? But um, plain and simple, like you can ask and and, de- and let's not say demand, but you, you can st- – Speak up, and and if you feel that something's right, you know, go for it. So that was a really big turning point. Also, I think in in the past, I was in a weird place with nudity as art. I would say so. Another one is that, like, I remember an agent telling me I had to do this shoot that was nude, but like, but it's art, right? But like, you have to do this. And I remember it shooting over Thanksgiving and so I wasn't going to be home for Thanksgiving because I was going to do this and I listened to him and I did it and it actually didn't go the direction that I thought it would they're actually really beautiful and I'm not naked at all but that was my information going in Um, but he adamantly told me that I had to do this and that this was you can't say no to this you can't say no to this magazine this photographer this opportunity you have to um, and so then I called my parents. I'm not going to come home for Thanksgiving. Did you tell them why? Because, nope, I didn't. And I don't think, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, that um, had to be very difficult. Yeah, so after that as well, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I didn't want to do that. And, yeah, it worked out okay in the end. And I love what we came up with and what we created but it could have gone a totally opposite direction and I listened to some I made someone else tell me what I was supposed to do when I knew in my gut I should have been with my family for Thanksgiving and I should have demanded to be represented in a way that was the direction that I saw forward I don't think that the curvy girl should just be naked in magazines it felt like I was banging my head against the wall like can someone can someone offer me amazing fashion I don't think that we should be um, portrayed as as this like bombshell all the time this was years ago though and that was sort of the way we were portrayed in the very beginning and it was beautiful and there's amazing imagery of curvy women and and lingerie and um, I have no regrets in any of the shoots that I've done. I only regret just listening to this one, you know, to this agent as if he was the all-knowing, you know, leader of my life. So it's just, that's the lesson I've learned. Just ask questions, ask why, take a stand. If you feel something's right, speak up. Great advice. Uh, I ask everybody this question. Worst advice you've received in your (laughs) career? Worst advice, I really think you should do this. <laughs> yeah. That's probably it. And you probably hear that all the time. Yeah. I really think you should do this. And then you're like, okay, uh, I don't, why? <laughs> why? Make sure to ask why. Yeah, exactly. And then also push back if you're not right with it. Yeah. Worst advice, do, do this, do this. I mean, it gets, you get so wrapped up. It's exciting. It's an amazing industry and career and honestly like my dreams have come true tenfold things I didn't even imagine were my dreams or thought could be happening to me 
I've accomplished. And I, I always sit back and pinch myself. Like, I cannot believe any of this is my life. But, yeah, are there little hiccups along the way, like in anybody's journey, where you're a bit like, oh, that was a weird time, or like, I can't believe I did that or listened to that. Um, so, yeah, I would say I'd say that's probably it, getting all wrapped up in the excitement and you should do this. Do th- yes, you have to do this. Maybe that's the worst advice. You have to do this. You don't no, have you don't. to do anything. <laughs> Candace Huffine, thank you so much for joining oh, me on No Limits. You. This was great. This was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of No Limits. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a review. It really does help get the word out. And don't forget, you can follow along with us behind the scenes on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat at Rebecca Jarvis. Special thanks to the team here at ABC that helps make this happen. Taylor Dunn, Michelle Bancardo, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelb, Steve Jones, Annie Osakwe, and Elizabeth Hecht. And join me next Tuesday for an all-new episode of No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. Until then, take care, be well. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.